It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today, Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits, C103. And a very good Thursday morning to you. Let me stay with the weather for a moment because the remnants of Hurricane Daniela is likely to bring wet and windy conditions to Ireland. This is the first hurricane of the season. Now, at the moment, it is continuing to churn up in the mid-Atlantic and it is heading over. Now, it doesn't look, according to Met Air, and it doesn't look like it's going to pose any real threat to us. But the remnants of this hurricane could bring the potential for wet and windy weather across the weekend. Now the hope is that it will kind of wear itself out as it moves across the Atlantic as at the moment the forecast is uh, for Friday and Saturday is for bright and sunny spells with just lighter showers but the impact of Hurricane Daniela could change all that so the meteorologists are keeping an eye on this hurricane as it spreads across the Atlantic hopefully it'll have worn itself out by the time it reaches our Shores. Barney's taking your calls 0818 103 103. Anything you want to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can text, you can WhatsApp to 086 to 103 103. And going through the papers today, it's all about high utility bills, what we can do to save on our electricity, what the government are hoping to do to help out what is going to be certainly cash strapped businesses and householders. And the government expects that the high cost of energy bills will force people to reduce their use of energy sapping appliances as we head into the winter months amid mounting fears of householders themselves and their ability to pay some of these bills. A government source has warned of shock and awe with fear and anger among the public when bills land in the coming weeks and that is likely to lead to more people following. What is going to be the official advice from government and the official advice from government is reduce your use. And the coalition of course preparing a major package of financial supports. The news comes as ministers will today sign off on a plan that's going to advise public sector bodies to set their heating systems at 19 degrees where appropriate and this is an effort for the public sector for all of the public offices to try to conserve as much energy as possible and obviously then uh, reduce costs this winter across the public sector and they'll be told to close doors and only put lights on in offices uh, where where people are and 
check what 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 um, rate the heating is set at. Can you move everybody onto one floor? Can you turn off the heating on another floor? It'll be interesting to hear and to see how the public sector bodies are going to react to all of this. And one wonders then if the public sector, if all the civil servants are doing it, will that p- peter out then into the private uh, sector? Will we all be huddled in offices together? But of course, the big worry then is, and I heard an expert to talk about this uh, yesterday. It'll, it'll be in total contrast and total change to what we've been doing for the last number of years because of COVID, where we've all been spreading ourselves out and you've got people two metres apart and no desks or seats beside each other. I mean, the danger is if we get a winter wave of COVID, which is expected, how do you say to people, will you all have to huddle together in a room? What happens if somebody then brings COVID into the office? Are you going to end up closing down the entire building because you'll get a COVID outbreak? So you can, there's going to be, it's not going to be as simple as saying everybody gather around the one heater and we're only going to heat this room and we're not going to heat any other rooms. A public information campaign is going to be launched within weeks. And this is the one that's going to be advising all of us as householders to reduce our own electricity and heating uh, use. And seemingly, this particular information campaign is forming part of the coalition's response to the energy crisis. Householders will be advised, turn down the heating, don't heat empty rooms, avoid, avoid using the washing machine, tumble dryer, cookers and other appliances during the peak hours. And they've now slightly extended the peak hours. The peak hours now are going to be between four in the afternoon and seven in the evening time. And in most households, it's probably the busiest, busiest few hours of the day. A reduce your use campaign. You will remember this. They ran this in the spring. Do you remember at that time people were being asked to drive at lower speeds uh, to reduce fuel use? Uh, We were all told to avoid using the cars for shorter journeys. We had a and Ryan of the Green Party telling us all to consider cycling or walking and he was on about getting us all to use public transport and that got people in rural areas really annoyed saying I'd love to use public transport except there isn't a bus in my area. So they have already done a reduce your use campaign and seemingly that campaign is going to run again into the autumn and into the winter months uh, with a renewed emphasis, we're told. But this time it's going to be more, it's going to have a lot more than just telling us to slow down in our cars or to jump on a bicycle. It's going to be talking to us about the appliances we're using around our homes. The Cabinet will today sign off on measures to reduce the energy consumption in the public uh, sector. The memo going before ministers uh, will be outlining what the public sector what is expected from them and how they're going to be expected to lead from uh, lead by uh, example and it's also going to that memo is also likely to propose things like lights are switched off where appropriate at night inside and outside of public buildings because a lot of public buildings are lit up at night I think we're going to see an end of that certainly into the uh, winter months now all of this follows a meeting of the three coalition party leaders uh, along with ministers Pascal Donoghue and Michael McGrath they all met last night obviously they met to discuss the energy and the security situation caused by Russia's war on Ukraine. The meeting, it seems, touched briefly on a windfall tax that we're going to be talking about on the programme today, a windfall tax on the energy company's profits. They also uh, they touched on actions that other European countries are taking. Could we 
learn from what other European countries are uh, doing. Uh, and also, if there is a windfall tax, they're saying it could generate around €100 million. Uh, euro, and obviously that would be used to offset spiralling utility bills. Now, the Taoiseach was speaking in Offaly yesterday and he was asked, obviously, about high utility bills and high energy costs. And he vowed that substantial supports will be announced by the government in the coming weeks to help people to pay rising energy bills. He said ministers would go as far as possible in introducing supports for families struggling to pay their household bills. And he said pandemic-like supports would be needed to help families pay spiralling bills this winter as well as supports for the day-to-day running of schools. Now, schools certainly would be pleased to hear that. Uh, Micheál Martin denied the government, though, was putting responsibility back on householders to foot high bills and said energy use will have to be reduced. And he said, one of his last points was, we all have to work together to reduce demands. So they're not saying that everything is going to fall back on households, but we are all going to be encouraged to reduce, reduce, uh, reduce. And a lot of the papers then, there's a lot of analysis and commentary on ways that we can reduce our use. You know, the obvious one that they're going to do in the public sector is to turn down turn the heat down, but also to take a look at any appliance that gets hot means it costs a lot. You know, any kind of heater, any kind of radiator, uh, your shower, if it's an electric shower, your oven gets hot, the washing machine, the tumble dryer, the dishwasher, all of the smaller appliances like the kettle and the toaster. We're going to be asked to sort of cut down on our use of all of those uh, items. Don't run the heating, for example, in rooms when you're not at home even though I don't know if many people are are doing that, but they're saying wait until you get in uh, to turn on uh, the heat and then only heat the rooms that you're in. Uh, Wait to use the the washing machine until it's full. Do your wash at 30 degrees or lower. Uh, Rest the tumbled dryer. And I love this. Use it only to finish off line dried clothes. And I was kind of, when I was looking at that this morning, I was looking out the window at a bucketing down and thinking, you're not going to get many clothes line dried today are you? But anyway they're saying give the tumble dryer a rest um, if you're going to be cooking small meals consider using the microwave instead beware of the dreaded uh, kettle. Also this is one piece that I read beware of claims by makers of energy efficient kettles. Now this I'm assuming ties in with Boris Johnson when he announced that investing £20 in a new kettle would save you £10 a year. Now that was quickly refuted by engineers who pointed out that while a new kettle might boil water quickly, it uses a higher wattage to do it. So boiling as much water, it's, so the, the best advice on the kettle is you just boil the cup of water, the two cups of water, just boil as much as you need. Use the fridge and the freezer smartly. If you're opening the door, close it as quickly as possible. I don't know if many people know this one. Fill the gaps in your freezer. You can use scrunched up newspaper. You can use plastic containers that you fill up with water water and so then they freeze solidly as ice. The idea is to not leave 
room between any of the items that are in the freezer so that when the door opens the warm air has to enter and then it has to try to uh, fill up the space that's if your freezer is only half full so to keep it as full as you can and if you haven't got food to put into it that that's the advice to fill up containers with a water take shorter showers we're back to that one again the tip for this one is you shower yourself and you time how long it took <laughs> and then you go into competition with yourself the next time you take a shower you see if you can do it one minute shorter use low energy LED bulbs I think most of us are doing that and then the advice from experts they're saying there's two peak times 7am to 9am in the morning and 5pm to 7pm in the evening but really for most households and families with people getting out of work and getting out of school 7am to 9am in the morning busy busy time and then 5pm to 7pm dinner time homework time getting jobs done around the house time it's the busy busy is uh, time of uh, the day for sure and you know reading some of the what the experts are saying and the advice that they're giving us to try to reduce and it, these are the type of things I imagine with the campaigns the government are going to run these are the type of advice we're going to hear I think for a lot of people those measures are nothing new many people are doing those already certainly the, the use lower energy LED bulbs I think most people have those in their houses at the moment People only run the run the heating when they need to run the heating. I mean, the washing machine, I think very few households with a lot of children will run a washing machine unless it's absolutely uh, full. Anyway, there's some of the tips. If you have any tips to share, tips of... Uh, or have you any plans on how you are going to cut down on energy and do your bit for the government? You know, Micheál Martin saying we're all in this uh, together so we all have to try to do our best to reduce our usage. Your thoughts welcomed 0818 103 103. Bernie's taking your calls. As I say, I particularly like to hear your tips so we can pass your tips on to others as well. 0862 103 103. Apologies. It is Wednesday, not Thursday. I said a very good Thursday morning. I meant to say a very good Wednesday morning to you. And my particular apologies to poor old uh, Rob, uh, Robert in the city. I gave him a fright when he heard me say Thursday. He jumped up because it's bin day. He thought he'd forgot to put the bins out. You have another day, Robert. My apologies. And thank you to a lot of people pointing out that it is Wednesday and not Thursday. It is. I'm just jumping ahead of myself. Okay. Some of your thoughts coming in on conserving energy and how we can all reduce on our utility bills and our electricity bills. Somebody said, we're all going to need to buy a fur coat. It's one way way to turn the heating off, I suppose, if you have a fur coat. Hi, Patricia. What about people who forked out big big money on electric cars wouldn't you be hopping mad if you bought electric they won't be able to charge them soon it's the same old story as the cashless banks uh, Eamon Ryan I feel is like a headless chicken says uh, John somebody says invest in a clothes horse Wash your clothes, hang the clothes up on the clothes horse at night and then you can finish them off in the tumble dryer in the morning. By the way, says this lister, for people who have and are putting their clothes straight out of the washing machine into the tumble dryer, you actually shrink clothes by placing them that wet in the tumble dryer. It's one of the reasons I hate using tumble dryers. I think it absolutely destroys, destroys uh, clothes. Okay, also coming in to us. Hi, uh, Patricia. If the government could just help us all out for the next six months financially and then review it every so often, but just help us to get over the next six months, they're going to be the trickiest. Uh, you never know 
how things might uh, change for the better, says Mossy in West Cork. Well, the government are promising that they are going to help out uh, both households and businesses, but it's how much help they're going to give. I think that's what everybody is uh, waiting for. Margaret says, I put my washing on a clothes horse by night and just pop them in the dryer in the morning. A lot of people seem to be giving that as a suggestion uh, to save. Ed says, morning Patricia, I thought the government was saying that the peak electricity times is 4pm to 7pm. They are. They are. Initially it had been 5pm to 7pm. They've reviewed it down. It seems to be 4pm to 7pm. But other experts say, it depends on who the expert is, that there is also a peak in the morning between 7am and 9am with other experts still sticking that it's 5 to 7 in the evening, not 4 to 7. But the government definitely are going with the uh, 4 to 7 uh, now. And Mary says, top tip, Patricia, for everybody this winter, wear a vest. (laughs) The good old, and if you can get a thermal one, it'll even be better. And I mentioned 100 euro, 100 million euro could come in by way of a windfall tax. If they put a windfall tax on the energy companies, it's speculated that that could bring in 100 million into the Exchequer, which would then, we're told, be ring-fenced and would be used to offset the cost of high utility bills. Somebody's done the maths and says 100 million divided by 2.1 million domestic customers. Guess what? That works out at 47 euro. That's not going to go very far, says this texter, who is asking about something that happened in the Middleton area last night, a brownout. I don't know what is, is that a blackout? I, I don't know what that is. Um, I, I, it, did, it happened in the Middleton area last night. If you want to give us further information, I'm just unsure what you are talking about. OK, some of your calls and texts that have been coming in. Text calls to Bernie 0818 103 103. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 Now, staying on the high cost of energy, the Economic and Social Research Institute has warned that almost half of all households are facing energy poverty this year, with energy poverty described as paying more than 10% of your net income on energy. Cork East Labour Dole Deputy Sean Sherlock says the government must tackle the spiralling energy prices and Sean joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Sean. Good morning, Patricia. And uh, firstly, now you're not naming the business here, but share with us the recent gas bill that one service industry owner received. I was contacted uh, by a, a an employer, a significant employer in the services uh, sector uh, last week who conveyed to me that their electricity, or sorry, their gas bill for 35 days, 35 days was coming in at 44,000 euros, 44,000 euros. Uh, Their entire bill for the year of 2019 was 44,000 euros. So in the space of approximately one month, one month, they received a bill of 44,000 euros. I'm still trying to get my head around the fact that any entity, whether it was resi- whether it be residential or, or business, uh, could receive a bill of that uh, magnitude. We have, you know, there was no uh, administrative error here. Uh, it was based on units used, but clearly the 
energy companies and energy providers, uh, in my humble opinion, are now using the current vulnerabilities as an opportunity to, to gouge and to, to make super normal profits. But how you could justify a bill of that magnitude? For one month. And what really got to me was, as with any typical bill that you get, it'll show you what your bill was for the previous month. And this business, the previous month, had been €1,700. Euro. So it went from €1,700 euro to 44000 I mean, just simply not sustainable. And, and I'm assuming, like a lot of other businesses, this business is out of contract with their energy supplier and we know and we've heard it from so many businesses we were only speaking with it yesterday with hotels and publicans suppliers won't lock into new deals. They won't lock into new deals but I think the question does have to be asked uh, where if uh, there are increases in within your current contract which clearly seems to be happening as well what is the what are the legal permutations for uh, the the consumer. Uh, and these are all questions, I think, that have not been answered by Minister Eamon Ryan at the political level. But also, uh, the, the regulator of utilities has not answered these questions either. The, the question for me now is, how are we going to create a scenario whereby coming into this winter, uh, the energy providers, you know, are brought are, are, are taken to task for the clear uh, gouging and uh, you know profiteering that is going on here, and I think the uh, I heard Eamon Ryan say that mentioned that the Council of Ministers on Friday is going to look at the whole issue of a windfall tax, but he also said in the same breath that that might not necessarily find its way down to the consumer. So the government has to you know, be a bit more forthcoming. And we haven't seen a whole pile of energy from government in relation to this beyond acknowledging the fact that the problem exists. But I'm really fearful, and I've been saying this all summer, that, and we've made a submission to, you know, for the upcoming budget to government, and we've basically said that you're going to have to, uh, you know, either increase the fuel allowance or create a second band on the fuel allowance. Because I deal with many families uh, who... Uh, are over the limit or over the threshold for the fuel allowance and they live in what I would call older housing stock, uh, you know, where it takes... Not energy efficient. Not energy efficient. Yeah. Where there are underlying medical conditions. They might have a small or modest occupational pension. It it puts them over the threshold for the current fuel allowance, uh, you know, which amounts to about approximately €33 per week. And they're the people that I'm very worried about coming into uh, this winter because... I'm I'm confident that the current rate of fuel allowance will increase and that will protect a lot of households. But it's those households where there is an occupational, uh, maybe pension, or where the income, uh, you know, what I call the working poor, uh, where, you know, they are in poor housing stock, uh, they have modest incomes, and they have nowhere to go. And if the government was to create a second band for the fuel allowance, which would be a step-down payment, which would be less than the full entitlement to the fuel allowance, that would provide some alleviation uh, for, for households. And we, we're calling on government to do that. The windfall but, tax... Yeah, but the wind, but they, I, I was reading in the papers on the windfall tax and they're saying that if they go with the windfall tax, that it would generate around uh, 100 million per annum. That's not really going to be a lot, is it, to, to offset the spiralling utility bills? 
No, but it is a contributory amount of money that could, uh, you know, it is a contributory amount. And if the government is saying that they're going to come up with a package of measures worth one billion, then, you know, there's a lot that they can do with 100 million within that one billion uh, envelope as well. I I don't understand why I I have seen no evidence of the energy companies or providers being brought in by government at a ministerial or even at the Taoiseach's level uh, to to, to slap them over the wrist and say, you've got to change your behaviours here. I, I don't see how you can justify taking Russia, you know, taking all of the other external factors into account, how one business amongst us could face a bill of 44,000 for 35 days for gas. There's no way that external international pressures are having a bearing, uh, you know, that would justify that figure. And that's where government now, I think if I was the Minister for Energy or certainly if I was the Taoiseach, that'll never happen. But, but if if you work, you'll be bringing them in. You'll be saying, you know, how can you justify yeah, this? How, yeah, how, how, yeah, how are you coming up with those costs? How, for sure, what, for sure. What are the criteria? And now we're, like the unit cost of electricity has not gone up, you know, taking Ukraine and Russia and turning off the gas. It can't have gone up by uh, that much, uh, Patricia. Uh, and we're all educated people in this country now. You know, we, we all are well-read people. So we know that the only uh, conclusion that you can come to uh, is that there is profiteering going on. But what we want to see now is clear action by government. And I think government needs to intervene. Now, we'll have an opportunity next week when the doll comes back, because I think this will be the number one priority for uh, opposition parties like our own, where we'll be calling the Taoiseach out on what he intends to do and what Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael and the Greens intend to do about this. Because we cannot face into a winter now where, you know, people are quite literally... Uh, you know, it's not enough for Eamon Ryan to say people need to modify their behaviour, because people will do that anyway. People will start cutting down on their consumption. But there will be households, there will be many households there, especially, you know, uh, you know, where you have older people, where there are health issues, where they will require the heating to be on throughout the day. Because if it, if it isn't on during the day, it has a knock-on effect on their heating. And it's vulnerable families like that, vulnerable households like that, that I'm very concerned about. Mm-hmm. And I want to see the budget for 2023 doing something for those families, particularly those families who do not qualify for the fuel allowance. I think if they introduce the second band on the fuel allowance, where they increase the income threshold for qualification, or sorry, decrease the income threshold uh, for qualification, I think that will alleviate a lot of the What, what about a, a price cap on energy bills that's been introduced in other countries? Is, is that something we uh, should that, be looking at? There are three issues. One is the fuel allowance, the second is the price cap, and, and the third is the windfall tax. If you introduce a price cap, that at least puts manners on the energy providers. Now, my fear there is that they put a price cap uh, as of from September when they've locked in new prices. I think that price cap, if it was to come about, I think that has to happen uh, retrospectively. Uh, And I think that that is one of the solutions. So there are three possible uh, avenues. What I don't understand is, you know, this tit for tat that's going on between Airgrid and the the regulator uh, in respect of, you know, the impact of data centres 
uh, on on the, the cost of providing electricity. I don't I don't know where the justification of, for that is because that should not translate into uh, you know Electric Ireland and Borgash Energy, for instance, uh, increasing their prices by twenty seven percent and thirty four percent in one fell swoop. Uh, it, it just doesn't not make sense to me. And I think the SRI when they talk about the fact through their reporting. And, and they are independent, you know, so we can take, uh, you know, in, uh, in good faith everything that they tell us. Uh, if they're telling us that, you know, uh, if people are spending more than 10% on fuel, uh, you know, in their households, then that more and more people are going into fuel poverty, then the government has to intervene. And, and that's what every government in Western Europe will have to do now. There'll have to be an intervention with the energy providers and there will have to be, you can't, if you leave it only to the market without government intervention, I'm afraid that a lot of people are going to really suffer this winter. Yeah, and as we've discussed during the week, I mean, electricity isn't a luxury. You, we, we can't do without electricity. It, it's an absolute necessity because so much of what we depend on comes through the, the grid. Uh, and again, I go back to the, the more vulnerable households and those people who are on uh, lower income. You know, those people... It, it, we're going back to the recession again in terms of the impact of, uh, you know, the cost of a unit price of electricity. It, it, you know, that has a massive impact on low income households, such that people sacrifice other essential spending. Uh, and, and we can't have that. Okay. Uh, and that's why there needs to be an intervention. And by has, uh, has there ever been so much anticipation in a forthcoming budget and the fear being, will there be enough to go around? Well, this is where you need to ensure that, you know, if you put manners on the energy providers, they have not justified, to my mind, or, or at least I have seen no reporting of their justification for the increases. They, I don't see any public faith of the energy providers. Uh, and they, they're getting away with it. So the interventions do not have to involve increases in tax taxation measures or, or increases in borrowings per se, but you can increase borrowings if you agree it, uh, if there's a, a pan-European uh, response to it, such as we saw with the COVID crisis, uh, where the cost of borrowing you know, c- could be maintained to ensure that you governments are allowed to intervene so that it filters down into the households that you put in place what I call interventionist measures to ensure that you protect households uh, you know, by saying we're going to cap the prices. Uh, but you do that by bringing the energy providers in and saying this is what we're going to do and you legislate for it. And that forces the energy providers who are, none of them are making a loss, Patricia. They're all making they're all making, Yeah, profits. they're all making profits. That's, the, that's, the, worst, that's the worst part. And that's and, what I think is annoying so many people. And the other side of it then is, and I think now that the PSO levy, the public services obligation levy, uh, that people see in their bills is now something that should be put on the table as well, whether or not you put a freeze on that to alleviate the hardship for people who are facing massive bills coming into the winter. That's okay. something that needs to be put on the table because the PSO levy, if we if we analyse that PSO levy, there are many of those wind farm 
companies, for instance, who have gone into supernormal profits now, and you'd have to ask what the justification for that PSO levy is. All of these things can be put on the table. Okay, okay. Listen, uh, Sean, we leave it there. Thank you for that, and uh, thanks uh, for joining us on the program. That is Labour Doll Deputy for Cork East, Sean uh, Sherlock. And by the way, I had a text in earlier, and I didn't quite understand what it was. Somebody uh, was texting about the windfall attacks and was saying, on a side note, did anybody notice a brownout in the Middleton area last night? And I had never heard uh, what that term brownout. And I'm now being told that a brownout is a drop in a voltage in an electric electricity power supply system. Unintentional brownouts can be caused by excessive electricity demand, severe weather events or a malfunction or error affecting electrical grid control and monitoring systems. Now, and I'm wondering, a severe weather event, could it have anything to do with the rain? Anyway, this listener reckons there was a brownout in the Middleton area last night. Did anybody else notice it? 0818 103 103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. And moving to a completely different topic because with skin cancer now the most common form of cancer every year in this country, keeping an eye on our moles has never been more important as it's expected that the number diagnosed with skin cancer will double by 2040. That's according to the National Cancer Registry. Professor Paul Redmond is with the Rose Clinic in Cork and he joins me with advice about moles and in particular what to look out for. Good morning to you Paul. Good morning Patricia and thank you for having me. Well you're very welcome to the programme. I suppose firstly start by explaining to us what moles are, where do they come from and do I take it the majority of us have them? Yes, uh, just about everybody uh, particularly in Ireland with type of skin that we have um, will have moles maybe one or two, uh, but some people have over 50 or 100 moles. And depending on the number of moles, uh, the risk associated with those moles can increase. Moles of themselves uh, can be pigmented, but but not always. When they're pigmented, it usually means that they're, they are a little collection of cells that contain a natural pigment, which is there in, really to, to protect us from sunlight. It contains, these cells contain melanin, the pigment melanin, which is there to protect us. Uh, and then some moles don't have that pigment. But either way, uh, exposure to UV light, that's the light that comes in through the, from the sky to the earth, um, containing UVB and UVA rays can, uh, can get through and damage the skin. And the melanin and the pigment there is, is naturally there to try and protect us against that. But over time and through overexposure, uh, the, the pigment can change and it may not protect as well as it can and the cells themselves then can become damaged and the moles can increase in number, increase in size and undergo change to ultimately lead to certain types of skin cancer. Okay, and that's that's where the danger sets in. Yes. A mole and a freckle, are they two very different things? A freckle is really just a collection, a small collection of melanin-containing cells, melanocytes, and is not really of any significance. A mole is a more a conglomerated collection that can ultimately lead to changes. They can be quite difficult to, to differentiate between the two and ultimately uh, probably need an expert to tell you the difference between the moles, uh, or should I say freckles, are very, very small. Moles tend to be bigger and stand out more when you, when you see them. They, they, they have their own, their own special appearance. Yeah, and sometimes can actually be raised off the skin, Correct. whereas a, whereas a freckle is, is flat. So, what sort of changes do we need to be keeping a lookout for on our moles? Well, when we have moles, obviously, um, 
one one is look when you're looking at them yourself, it tends to be a little bit subjective because we we all clean our teeth, we we shave ourselves if we're men, and we put on makeup and all those kind of things. And over a period of time, it can be quite difficult to detect. But there are specific changes, and they're outlined and they're well known. And uh, very often we use, uh, for example, the nomogram of A B C D E, which is um, you know, a, uh, basically looking at uh, all the different um, changes that can occur within the, the skin, such as asymmetry for A and uh, borders for B and, uh, for example, the diameter of the mole and a, the evolution of the mole. And these are freely available. You can get these on the Internet. You can get these in our brochures, for example, and they allow you, using a nomogram, to say, are there changes? I, I read down through this quickly and I check for any changes in my mole. But essentially, if you see a, a mole on your body and you think this, this looks different to the way it looked a couple of months ago, uh, it's got bigger. As you mentioned earlier on, Patricia, it, it's become raised. And particularly if, if it's got darker or the color has changed, and indeed also if it, if it gets itchy or if it bleeds, then these are the moles that uh, probably need some professional advice uh, on. And if somebody is worried and they have started to see a change in a mole, is your GP your first port of call? Well, you can do two things. Um, Yes, uh, your GP is certainly, um, most GPs are extremely well trained to, to see these moles, or, um, but they, w- they may well refer you on for a check. Um, uh, so what you can do is you can come along to us, uh, which is Rose Clinic, and here we will perform a technique called a digital dermoscopy. And this is a technique uh, that is based on the magnification and illumination um, using special type of polarized light to look at moles and be able to tell with a, a, a much higher degree of accuracy than just manual dermoscopy or, or the, the naked eye as to whether or not moles are dangerous or not. And we provide that technique um, for whole body mapping or for individual mole assessment as well. And that technique um, increases your detection rate of melanoma by up to 30%. Um, So when you come, this is what we do. We assess your moles and it serves the purpose of allowing us to, number one, detect if there is, in fact, the possibility of a melanoma or another type of non-pigmented skin cancer present. Uh, Number two, to say, well, there are some changes there that could lead to skin cancer, so we need to keep an eye on it. Uh, uh, Number three, we can say, no, that's an okay mole. You don't need it removed. So it cuts down on the unnecessary Mm -hmm. removal of moles. And then, of course, it also allows you to come back over a period of time to watch for the uh, evolution or a change within a mole, which ultimately could develop into something more sinister. Because I take it, Paul, as with all cancers, if a melanoma is picked up early, the prognosis is so much better. Absolutely, Patricia. It's like all cancers. And uh, this is one, really, it's on your skin. So it is something that you can monitor monitor very easily. It's not deep within the body. And as you say, the earlier you pick these up, the, the, the prognosis with melanoma specifically relates to how long and how much growth has occurred. So the earlier you pick it up, yeah. the better. And that's why for partners, check each other's backs because obviously you don't see your back. That's exactly <laughs> it. That you're spot on with yeah. that one because that's exactly what I say to patients. Um, uh, you know, it's really important, um, particularly for men, that that they have their partners check Just their have partners a look. because that, have that's a look. where we see the big issues. Yeah. All right. OK, listen, Paul, thank you for that. And thanks for joining us this morning. 
Thank you, Patricia. Good morning Thanks. to you. That Take is care. Professor Bye-bye. Paul Redmond of the Rose Clinic in Cork. 0818 103 103. Premier League Live is back on c103.ie with uh, Trevor Welch. It's on this Saturday from midday, powered by Talk Sport. We're bringing you live coverage of Fulham versus Chelsea. That's 12.30. Liverpool are taking on Wolves at three. And the final match we'll cover is Manchester City. And they are against Spurs. That's at 5.30. That's the Premier League live online with Harvey Norman, your home of the big screen. You can list Saturdays on the C103 app or you can go to C103.ie. 0818 Let's see if we can help out some of our listeners with some advice. Firstly, Tom in Bantry was on and he's on a disability scheme. He has a primary cert and therefore he can claim back VAT back on his uh, petrol. And obviously, uh, because he's got a primary cert, he doesn't have to pay VRT on the purchase of any new vehicle. Now, Thomas decided he is going to go electric. He's planning to buy an electric uh, car, but he is wondering, will all of the benefits he has when he's purchasing a petrol or a diesel car because of his primary search, will they move with him to an electric car? And in particular, he's wondering, will he get a fuel rebate on his electric car? Well, I've checked on the fuel rebate and I can tell you, Tom, you won't. The fuel grant covers petrol, diesel and LPG, but it doesn't cover electricity used to recharge electric vehicles. So you certainly won't be getting a fuel rebate for charging the car. But all of the other grants you will get, I suggest who you need to contact is is the Disabled Drivers of Ireland. I actually just went on their website while the news was on at uh, 11 and they talk about things like if you are purchasing an electric vehicle, you can claim the Sustainable Energy Authority Ireland, their grant, and you can do that independent of any other tax break uh, you might receive but certainly the VRT on the vehicle you can claim that back uh, or you won't be paying that uh, as you didn't on diesel or petrol cars but if you get on to the Disabled Drivers uh, Association you can either do it online as I say they have a great website or if you contact them they certainly will be able to fill you in but the fuel grant covers petrol, diesel or the rebate uh, it doesn't cover the cost of charging your car with um, electricity. Hope that is of help, Tom. 0818103103. Then Joan in Formoy contacted us yesterday and she's in a bit of a pickle. She has relatives living in the UK, in England. And at Christmas, she always sends over a sterling cheque to them, you know, let them buy what they want uh, with it. And uh, she doesn't have a driver's licence and she doesn't have a passport. So anytime she's been getting her sterling cheque in order to get it because of money laundering and all of that, she had to go to Angarda Siakona and get, and get what is called an ML10 form. Now what an ML, obviously the ML I'm assuming stands for money laundering. It's a certificate of identity for money laundering purposes and you get that from the Gardaí and you can get that if you don't have a passport or a driver's licence which is the which is where Joan finds herself. Anyway she's been working away grand with her ML10 form that she got from the local Gardaí station but she was recently in her credit union and she was asking about the sterling checks that she's planning to send at Christmas and she's been advised now instead of the ML10 form to use and she says they called it an international card. Now we can't work out what this international card is and we did some investigation yesterday and we can't uh, find out. The only thing we could we could come up with that 
that it might be is one of the on-post money currency cards that you can buy in a variety of different currencies. But I don't know. Uh, but but actually, I don't think the the on-post currency card is going to work for Joan because you need to have proof of name and you need a passport or an EU driver's licence. So that's going to rule Joan out. So I don't think that's going to work for her. Anyway, she contacted us. As I say, we looked into it to see if we could sort it for her and we haven't been able to. But she's wondering what does anybody else do about standing sterling at Christmas? Now, the one thing that you can do, and I certainly have done it uh, in the past, you could physically get the sterling and send it by registered post if you wanted to do it that way. That's how I've sent sterling and it's all always thankfully arrived safely. That is one option. But I think Joan prefers to deal in cheque form. Has anybody else come up against that problem? Does anybody know what an international money card is? And can you point us in the right direction so that we can pass on the information to Joan if anyone can help us with that? 0818 103 103. Lots and lots of calls in to do with energy, high cost of energy and what are we all going to do to try to reduce our energy usage which seemingly is one of the things that the government is going to be asking us to do and there's going to be a little bit of a campaign starting uh, if they haven't already started it uh, called Reduce Your Use a little bit like what they did back in the spring when they were encouraging all of us to drive at a lower speed to reduce fuel and we were all being told cut down on those short journeys get on your bike if you had a bike or get out and walk or use public transport so a similar kind of a public advertising campaign to that is what is going to be used by the government in order to try to get all of us to cut down on our energy use. Glenn in Butterfield was on and said how much do all of the TDs and ministers and Taoiseach and everybody who sits at the cabinet table, how much do they earn? And they are the same people who are asking us to cut back Glenn in Butterfield says I think it is a total disgrace. Joe in Kilmallock has a suggestion to switch off all the street lights at midnight. They used to do that once upon a time. Uh, and I don't know, Joe, if it was you or somebody else made that suggestion last week and somebody was on straight away saying, wouldn't that make it great for criminals if it was if it was dark at night, if all the street lights went out at night and also for females who might be a bit nervous about walking in dark areas, it mightn't be good for them. But Joe reckons, you know, this is an emergency needs must switch off all the street lighting from midnight. How do people feel about that? Tim and Balancolic goes further. He says all the shops, big shops, should close at 6pm on Saturday and remain closed until 8pm on Sunday. Go back to the way it used to be where nothing opened on a Sunday. Tim says we would certainly save a lot of electricity that way. And I think the people working in the shops on a Sunday, Tim, would be very happy to have their Sundays back. I don't know if the business owners would feel too good about it. But Tim said, again, emergency situation. If we need to bring in, you know, emergency powers and emergency, God knows we lived through enough restrictions, did we not? Uh, during the pandemic and where a lot of businesses were forced to close. So it it looks like the government need to do it. They could do it. Is that something people would welcome? That all businesses, all shops in particular, would close on Sundays? He said it's the larger ones. So you'd keep your sort of smaller corner shop open for the for the emergencies. But everything else would uh, close. Bernie in Mallow is a bit worried and is wondering, will it mean that we won't be allowed to put up Christmas lights this year. She's very worried.
worried about that. Now, I don't know if they'll quite go that far as to come out and say to people, you can't put up a Christmas tree this year. Because, you know, realistically, Christmas tree lights are LED lights. I, I don't know how much electricity they use, but I take it they don't use a lot of electricity. There's already been talk from certainly from some of the larger retail excellence Ireland I think are the ones that have been out on it they are questioning the lights the Christmas lights in shops and the Christmas lights where we light up our towns and our our cities that they're not saying don't do it this year but what they're saying is that we have a shorter run you know normally the Christmas lights go on in the town certainly the beginning of December some will even go on at the end of November Retail Excellence Ireland are saying maybe we need to look at that and maybe just do it in the two weeks up to Christmas have a shorter period with Christmas lights but I don't know Bernie if the government are going to come out and say to anyone you can't switch on your Christmas lights this year I can't while well, they're going to be telling us to reduce our usage now maybe I could be proven wrong Bernie I could be proven wrong 0818103103 Joan in North Cork has a tip for everybody here we go listen to this one boil your kettle so fill up your kettle in the morning boil the kettle use whatever you need to use the cup of tea or the pot of tea or whatever you're having yourself and then put the rest of it into a flask. That boiling water then will do you for the rest of the day and it stops you constantly going and flicking the kettle. Joan says do not forget and I don't think anybody could forget that the kettle is one of the biggest users of electricity. So if you don't have a flask invest in one, boil the kettle and then it'll keep your the water nice and warm for the rest of the day. Uh, Lehman Brough was listening to Sean Sherlock, completely agrees with uh, Sean Sherlock and thinks that our leaders, our current leaders are spineless, they're out of touch, particularly when it comes to the energy companies. He was so impressed with Sean Sherlock this morning he suggests that he should be running the country. Betty in Domanway on, this is staying on kettles, has another tip. She says she, this is what she does herself. She uses a small travel kettle when she's at home on her own because they take the small travel kettles, probably only boil about two cups, do they? Just fill a small teapot anyway, if nothing else. So if you have a small travel kettle or you want to purchase a small travel kettle, Betty said it certainly works for her. Thank you for that. There's some of your calls into the programme some of your texts uh, coming in. Uh, someone is making a suggestion if you can afford to upgrade your fridge freezer, do. This texter reckons that any fridge freezer that's five years or older is simply eating up electricity and particularly many of them will have poor door seals if uh, they've been there for a while so if you can afford it upgrade your fridge freezer and then that tip that I gave earlier that I read in one of the papers they were given you know tips for how to save on electricity one that I didn't know about if you have a freezer and you don't have a lot in your freezer now I, I don't have that worry I always my fr- I never seem to I don't have a very large freezer now I don't have one of those big chest freezers but I never seem to have enough room in the freezer but if you have a freezer that is not full the suggestion is that you get containers or bottles and fill them up with water and let them freeze and it fills up all the space inside in the freezer. That's a tip that's come in from some of the experts. John, on the budget, what I'm predicting is probably the most anticipated budget we have had in a long, long time. But will there be enough for everyone? John's 
reckons what will happen is the government will give everyone a 10 euro rise in the budget across all of the social welfare recipients I'm assuming what John is talking about and they'll give everyone an extra 100 euro to cover the cost of electricity then we'll spend the whole month of October whining about the the budget that was announced in uh, September and that'll be it for budget 2023 it's all about robbing people says John who doesn't have much faith in the upcoming budget but I don't think there's ever been so much anticipation about it Somebody else says we would be better off the way we were during World War Two when we had had to ration everything and we got on grand. <laughs> One of our older listeners, I, I'm assuming we, nobody wants to go back to the days of rationing items. I'd hate to think if we had to get to that uh, situation. Somebody who signs themselves the lovely bus driver said, I always wear a vest in the wintertime. Remember somebody had suggested a vest was a good idea. I always wear a vest. And I've never heard of this. Sean Foddas. They're long johns. I wear them every winter. No problem with keeping warm. Uh, signed the lovely bus driver. And I'm assuming if you're on a bus and the door is opening and closing in very cold weather, then certainly thermal underwear, be it the long johns and the thermal vests with the long sleeves would certainly keep you uh, nice and uh, warm. Thank you for that. Hi Patricia, the one thing that's crippling people worldwide, I feel, is the evil of greed by a lot of these large companies and it's the greed that is being eaten up and we're all being destroyed by it. Why? This is from Pat. Why don't people go back to God and find a new uh, way? Wouldn't it be great if we didn't have greedy people in the world, Pat? It certainly would be fantastic. Now, somebody else is talking about the PSO levy and I think, did Sean Charlock mention the PSO levy? Uh, He might have. And and if he did, I should have remembered that the PSO levy is going. This system is pointing out the PSO levy is to be set at zero from October and domestic customers actually are to get a rebate of €89. Businesses will get a rebate of of 313 euro and I reminded myself then what happened because I do remember the PSO uh, levy it was announced earlier in the year it's from the 1st of October so it won't be the the bills you're getting at the moment the PSO levy will be on it but from the 1st of October the PSO levy is to be reduced to zero now initially when it got announced we were told it would be an annual saving of about 52 euro excluding that on how household electricity bills. Not a lot, but we'll take every little bit that we can. But then in June, the government went uh, a step further with the reducing the PSO levy and came up with this idea of the rebate for domestic customers. So the rebate for domestic customers is 89.10 and then you add on that 52 euro excluding VAT. So it means for a domestic household over the full year it'll be a saving of 140 euro and 76 cent. But yes, that listener is right. PSO levy gets set to zero from October. It's, it's, It's small, it's small, but it is, I suppose, better than nothing. 0818103103 Bernie is taking your calls there Hi Patricia the 1.5 million euro that will be used by way of a pay rise to TDs and senators should they not be using that for old age pensioners and the vulnerable to pay for their electricity bills instead of giving a group of people that are already overpaid more money Hi Patricia on energy savings people working from home and at the weekends here's a tip they should batch cook 
and do it on the non-peak hours. Also, this listener reckons that the government should be giving rewards to people who do reduce their electricity usage rather than giving handouts to all. If you give cash handouts, it will end up having a negative green effect. People have to be mindful of climate change at the same time. People also need to stop bashing Eamon Ryan. And who would think, because of what Eamon Ryan is trying to do, that he'll actually cause climate uh, issues and we, we touched on, I, I mentioned yesterday, emissions because emissions are gone up and, have, uh, and, and it looks like they're going to go up further because people are worried about how they're going to heat their homes this winter and more people are starting to turn to fossil fuel and more people are looking at timber. And we were hearing the so many people are buying timber that never bought timber before and timber wood burning stoves. Gone, through, gone off the Richter scale the amount of people buying wood burning stoves so it is having a ne- will have a negative effect on uh, climate so this listener is saying stop blaming uh, Eamon Ryan it's not his fault and actually just on timber and the burning of timber I had a handwritten letter in I always love to get the let- letters in from a listener who just signs themselves a regular listener and says uh, Patricia regular listener to the show um, which I enjoy thank you very much I would like to make a point I've been travelling through the countryside quite a, a lot and of late I have noticed that there are trees that are really in danger of falling if we happen to get any storms over this uh, winter. We know that timber is scarce at the moment. We're constantly hearing about it. Is this not just a waste? Should these trees not be cut down now and used for firewood rather then going into these very dangerous positions and then God knows what could happen if they fall down or come down in the middle of a storm. Uh, We're all hearing that there's a scarcity of wood. I feel like this is such a waste when you look at some of the trees out in the countryside. I would be interested in the views of others. Have others noticed trees? And I know landowners are very good to go out and farmers are very good to go out and check and keep an eye on their trees, particularly if there's been any kind of windy conditions or stormy conditions and the advice all always is that if there's any tree that's in that gets damaged in a storm get out and do something about it as quickly as possible rather than wait for the next storm to arrive because then it could come down it can cause serious traffic accidents or it can cause things like to bring down power lines and then you've got electricity outages etc. 0818 103 103 and just one final one in this batch of uh, texts because it's just so so busy today John says Patricia the government told we told us two years ago to go out and buy gas-fired generators and to do it as backups to renewables. Eamon Ryan was on TV last night and I felt he sounded pathetic telling people to cut back on their electricity use. Germany is now on the verge of a recession and we will surely follow suit. Our brightest and our best for example, our nurses and doctors are fleeing the country. Why? Because they simply can't afford to live here or they can't afford to buy a house here. That doesn't bode well for the future. That's uh, from John. And we are losing some of our brightest and our best. And the worry is that if we go into a recession, that's what happens. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. 
Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss in all recessions and that's what's happened in all previous recessions people flee the country in search of work and they have no uh, other choice but of course if we end up with recessions in worldwide recession then there's no country to uh, flee to but certainly I think your, your, your bigger point is they're fleeing the country because they can't buy a house I mean that's that's probably the biggest problem at the moment that's causing our young bright educated who are who have the possibility of earning good wages but even on a good wage can't afford to purchase a home 0818103103 Bernie's taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs Springford Hall in Mallow they're recruiting for a front desk receptionist full and part time positions are available now full training will be provided you can email marcella at springford-hall.com or call 0860460739 Clover Hill Food Ingredients they're recruiting for a number of positions customer service admin warehouse operative business unit leader sales support and quality manager email your CV to hr at cloverhill.ie or you can post it directly to their premises in Mill Street full and part-time bus drivers with a D or D1 licence required for Mackey coaches they're based in Dungorny 021 4668334 and an experienced snagger is required for finishing houses in the tower area now it does include patch plastering carpentry and also some handyman work do you think that job suits you you need to get your cv into jobs at hamiltonfrench.com you'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more this is You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818-103-103. The World Games for the International Wheelchair Amputee Sports Federation will be held in Portugal at the end of November. And one of those flying the flag for Ireland will be Stephen McCarthy from McCormack, who joins me in advance of the World Games. Good morning to you, Stephen. 
Morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well, and you're very welcome to the programme. And firstly, congratulations to you on representing uh, Ireland. Can you talk us through what sport you'll take part in and how did you qualify? Um, I, I tell you, I I had a, a bit of surgery back in 2018 and um, uh, that resulted in have me having a, a lower leg amputation. Um, now, I recovered uh, quite well from that and before, uh, you know, we're all into lockdown and, uh, you know, we couldn't travel outside our, our five kilometre range. Um, everyone kind of had to stay at home. Um, uh, so earlier this year, when when restrictions were were relaxed, uh, I kind of looked into joining a number of different clubs, and, and I was kind of hoping to join somewhere um, uh, that was close to home. Um, and the the uh, club that I found had the, the the best facilities for me were was Grange um, uh, for my athletic club. So I made contact with uh, Mike there. Um, and uh, he he uh, said, "Jesus, pop along, absolutely no problem. You'd be very welcome." And I explained my situation to him. Um, now, because of the the amputation, I I can't run. I I, I can walk, no problem. Um, but I decided to uh, get into throwing events like discus, shot put, javelin, uh, that sort of thing. Yeah. So, um, and um, had you hang on, had you been involved in sport? prior to you having your lower leg removed? Um, I, I was a very avid sports fan. Okay. Um, I know that's, that's a <laughs> bit vague, but my, my, my whole family, I, like I've, I've um, three sisters and two of them are, are All-Ireland uh, champions uh, in sprinting in the 100, 200. The, the long jump, uh, I have a, a niece currently who's in Finn Valley. She lives in Donegal, and uh, she's um, she's uh, a, a triple jump champion in her age bracket. Um, so yeah, but were the, you were you just cheering them all on from the sides, or did you did you take part in sports yourself? Um, I tell you, I my 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 condition um, caused uh, a, a progression of my my foot breaking down over ah, the years. So you weren't day. Okay, all right. Okay. So when I was when I was when I was like twelve or thirteen, um, I, I my older sister Angela, who who was a member of Leevale in Cork City, um, she she was running she was running a uh, hundred meters in under thirteen seconds, and I was I was keeping up with her. Then, but then by the age of fifteen, um, my 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 the the uh, I suppose the uh, the condition of my foot deteriorated, and instead of uh, running a hundred meters in thirteen seconds, I was I was walking it in thirteen minutes. Sort ah, of bless, thing, you know. Bless. Okay, so 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 go back to to so you decided to get involved now now in sports now that you've had your your lower leg amputated and. Throwing things, you reckon you could be good at that? Yes, yeah. Um, I, I've, I've had a lot of corrective surgery over the years. Um, uh, I, I, I couldn't tell you how many years I've actually spent in plaster. Um, uh, so I've been on crutches quite a bit over the years, and I, I, I've built. I suppose quite a. Um, I, I, I'd have pretty big shoulders, sort of. Good. Thing. Upper so, body uh, strength. Events, 
Sorry? Upper body strength is what Upper it is. Upper body strength. Yeah. There you go. That's yes, it. That's yeah. it. Um, and uh, yeah, I've, I've um, at the start of the year, I, I said, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to even um, at, at, I suppose, um, my age, uh, a lot of people would, would be looking at uh, retiring, but uh, I, I never had the experience of being able to uh, uh, travel to various different competitions and events around the country. Um, and uh, since the start of the year, I suppose our first event was in Carlo. Um, so I've been traveling up and down to Carlo. Um, we were in Waterford a month ago. Um, we were in Templemore last uh, Saturday. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I just, each event, you, you kind of see uh, your improvements because of the distances that you are throwing. And it's the, um, ja- it's the javelin, is it? It's the javelin I seem to be doing the best at, yes. Okay. Yeah. All right, yeah. okay. Um, and, uh, like, for, for people that don't understand, um, you know, the, the metric system or whatever, um, I, I had a, a throw back in June um, and I threw uh, just shy of 98 feet. Um, so, like, people can figure that out. That's terrific. And, and, and listen, I'll, I'll blow your trumpet for you. That I'm assuming it was that throw. You you broke the Irish record with that throw. That, that's correct. Um, for the for the category F um, forty four, um, there's so many different categories um, out there with the the, the Olympic uh, the Paralympic uh, committee because obviously everybody's got. Um, Different disability and different ability. Ability rather than disability. Okay, and I know you also won three silver medals in the All Ireland Games and you won gold and silver in the Munster Games. So you're good at what what you do. Have you you've now qualified? Have you for Portugal? Um, yeah, I I I was um, yes I I have um, been invited to uh, put my name forward to to join the team that's going to be heading out there. Okay. Um, based based on my results, um, and uh, it's um, it's it's uh, it's a, it's an expensive trip. Um, now, like the trips up and down to Carlo and and Waterford and Templemore, you know, putting petrol in the car, uh, registration fees and all that. It's it, it it and and with the current climate, um, I I'm listening to your show daily, Patricia, and and it's all doom and gloom with finances yeah. and cost of living and energy prices and oh, it's crazy. Yeah, so you're reaching out, hoping that you'll get some sponsorship, maybe business sponsorship. Um, that 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 was my aim because you know I I, I didn't want to be going around um, uh, knocking on 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 doors because I, I I understand that households are 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 feeding the pinch uh, just as much as I am. But um, the fact that I I I'm a member of uh, uh, Grange from my event club, uh, I was hoping that uh, the local businesses around from my um, because. Might they help have you such out. A big membership. Yeah, like yeah. A lot of their customers are doing business with them as well. You know what I mean. And so you've written to them, have you? Have you contacted them to see I, if they're? I've, I've, I haven't contacted a whole lot of them yet because okay. I'll tell you the situation is the the um, uh, Irish Wheelchair um, Association Sport are having a meeting in two weeks' time to um, finalise the details of of the trip to Portugal. So you're, wait, you're waiting. You're waiting until then. 
Yes, there's, so there's going to be a press release then around um, uh, the end of uh, September uh, announcing then basically who's going to be travelling, the, the uh, support team that will be travelling with them, etc., etc. I mean, originally it was supposed to, the event was supposed to take place in, in, in Russia, uh, but that got knocked on the head when... For obvious um, reasons. For, for right. obvious yeah. reasons. Yeah, yeah. so you're a bit closer to home with it being in Portugal uh, as well. Uh, and in the meantime then, are you, do you, are you training? Do you have to keep up a training regime to keep as fit as possible? Yes. Absolutely, and and um, I, I have um, I bought a, a lot of uh, equipment um, over the last kind of two years, um, weights and uh, cycling machine because, like I said, um, uh, running would certainly not be one of my strongest points, but uh, I can get the legs moving on the bike and and. Uh, you know, you you just put, um, uh, literally pull the bike out and sit down and watch a bit of TV while you're doing it. So and it, it cycle away. And and Stephen, talk to me about that back in in 2008. Was that a very tough decision? And and how did you cope with hearing that you were going to have to lose your lower leg? Um, I, the, the 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 way it, it happened for me, Patricia, really was um um. I I was working at the time and it was very, I, I was on my feet. I was doing eight, nine hour shifts and a lot of walking, a lot of, uh, I won't say running, um, but I I was walking as quickly as I could. Um, uh, and uh, the situation became, the medication I was on was just getting stronger and stronger. Um, my, my, um, I suppose, ability to do anything when I finish work um, uh, diminished in the sense that I literally finish work. I come home, I'd sit down um, and, and I, I, I suppose, for want of a better word, I, I'd pass out um, uh, and I'd, I'd sleep for an hour or two in the chair before I could get up and, and um, uh, prepare a bit of dinner. Uh, my days off, I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to go for a walk. I didn't want to go anywhere. Um, because I was, I, in, in, in the back of my mind, what I was doing was I was, I was recovering so I could go back to work. Do you know what I mean? I know, I know. It was, and, it was um, no way, no way to live. So was it almost a relief when, when the, when the, the, the lower leg was removed? Um, well, I, I it, it was a tough decision to actually make. Yes, a hundred percent. And uh, I I did have my moment the night I had my my leg removed, um, uh, above in the CUH, and and I was very well looked after up there. Um, and uh, I suppose the following morning I woke up and I said, well, this is this is the start of the rest of my life, and you know I'm 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 going to do the best that I can with what I have left and uh, yeah I, I, I got a, I, I, even though I always had an interest in sport I love watching the Olympics love watching the European Championships well World Championships all the all the, well, I, the I think I think you're living proof that the spirit never gives up you're just you're going to keep going uh, no matter no matter what and I'm assuming you've been fitted with a prosthetic leg I have yeah, yeah, yeah. I that, have indeed and that's um, all worked out okay for you um, yes Absolutely. Um, uh, now, I, I didn't put my um, my time recovering, even though we were in lockdown pretty much as well. Um, I, I went back and, and I retrained and I, I, I got a, a six major award in business. Um, I'm 
I'm currently looking at doing um, a postgrad honours degree course in HR management in UCC, which is starting <laughs> in a couple of weeks. There's no stopping you, is there? Well, the thing about it, Patricia, I've reached out to you today because um, the, the the funding um, is is very important because you know, like I I had to have my my main bathroom adapted earlier in the year, um, even though um, we did get a grant from the council, we still had to add uh, a couple of thousand euros to that. It doesn't um, fully cover it. Listen, uh, it, we, well, we, we'll keep in contact with you, uh, Stephen, but we certainly uh, wish you the best of luck. You really, really are an inspiration, but we wish you the best of uh, luck on your sports journey, but particularly at those World Games in Portugal. And it was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for that. No and problem, uh, thanks Patricia. for joining Thank us you. this morning. Good morning to you, Stephen McCarthy there, who will be representing Ireland in those World Games at the Paralympics in Portugal. Um, throwing the javelin. Well done to him. 0818103103. And a listener has sent me in a WhatsApp to say, would people please, please, if you're out driving, will you slow down in the rain? Somebody has sent me in... Um, some video for South Link and people just need to slow down. There's a lot of surface water on the ground at the moment and there's also locks of water. You can be coming around a bend and you don't know what you're going to face. So please, folks, if you're driving, slow it down. 0862 103 103. You can text or WhatsApp. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. And taking a look at some of your calls and emails and texts in. We're having a busy, busy morning. This is from Anne by email. It says, Hi Patricia, it makes no sense at all to be giving out fuel allowance that goes forward to pay for coal. Coal is now almost 40 euro a bag is it gone that expensive and they and then taxing same because of usage not making sense far better for Eamon Ryan if he started to give out good decent grants for wood burning stoves they would burn that would burn wood only even killing dried wood would be much better and possibly far cheaper than using coal it would keep the elderly especially the elderly safer and warm in their homes this winter and then telling us to get on our bikes and cycle. Many of the cycle lanes according to Anne around Cork City are rarely used and some of them end up against a pole. It is funny to actually see where they put some of these cycling lanes. You're taking in your life in your own hands if you're on Washington Street. There is a very narrow cycle lane with many exits for cars on the same street. Are they crazy or what? Says Anne. So she says the cycle lanes need to be looked at. Alma was on to say in their household last night they were talking about trying to reduce their energy and they were talking about the fact that they might have to go back to using flannel sheets. And God, I remember flannel sheets as a child and they were the warmest thing to get into, weren't they? Can you even buy flannel sheets now? I remember the ones we had, they were white with, was it a blue and a red or a pinkish stripe on them? And they lasted for years. But I don't actually know if you can actually buy. Can you buy flannel sheets? 0818 103 103. Bernie is taking your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Uh, in the next hour, we'll be chatting with the Kinsale RNLI. They are featuring in the BBC uh, Saving Lives at Sea television uh, programme. We'll chat about that. And also, it's Wednesday.
Wednesday even it's a kind of a bleak and a miserable one but have you problems in the garden or with household plants get your questions in for Peter Dowdle 0818 103 You can see some questions coming in for Peter Dowdle if you want to keep those uh, coming in Bernie's taking the calls 0818 103 103 and you can text or WhatsApp a question to 0862 103 103 and just from our Street Fleet getting in reports that there's flooding on the road from Blackpool to Heineken Brewery and it is affecting traffic so please be careful but uh, it's flooding uh, from Blackpool to Heineken uh, Brewery drive with extreme care some of your calls and texts coming in now this text came in and I checked it out with Comreg during the news at, at 12 from Michael in Little Island Michael says Patricia I entered a 12 month contract with AIR in January of this year for €43.50 monthly broadband package that's all well and good I now received a bill for €48.52 it's gone up by €5 which means AIR have broken their contract does it not now I intend on honouring my side of the contract which is to pay them €43.52 and I'll do that until next January but I'm now wondering can AIR cut me off even though I know I'm right if I don't pay the full amount by the way says Michael I have sent them emails and handwritten letters and I got no reply okay I checked with uh, Comrag uh, and they, the, your service provider can, unfortunately, change the terms and conditions of its service and that does include changes to the prices that it charges. Always seems unfair to me that you or I are, in Michael's case, Michael can't get out of the contract or can't decide, I'll pay you with 10 or less uh, this month, but if they want to charge an extra fiver, they can actually do it. Service providers, though, there is a but on this. Service providers are required to notify you of any changes to the contract and that's either both price plan or they can change their terms and conditions. They have to do it by giving you 30 days notice and advising you of the option that you can withdraw from the contract without penalty because normally when you sign up for a contract if you try to get out there is a penalty but if they change the terms and conditions or if they've changed the price plan which is what they've done in Michael's case then Michael you are entitled to leave that contract and go somewhere else. So yeah, you do have right on your side. But they are, unfortunately, they're, they're, while it feels to you they're breaking your contract, they are entitled by law to put up their prices with, with, if they want, which is rather, rather annoying. So get on to them and if you want to move and see if you can get a better deal somewhere else, then you can do it and they can't charge you any penalty. 0818 103 103. And we got a slew of, of texts and calls in when it was Nidalma contact just to say in their house last night they were talking about know how tricky the winter might be and they were saying that they might have to go back to the flannel or the flannelette sheets that they remember from their childhood and I was saying can you even buy them anymore lots of people on to say you can including uh, Ellen in Ballancolic she says Patricia those sheets are now called brushed cotton <laughs> uh, Margaret in McCroom says yes you can get those flannelette sheets in Henry Brown's in McCroom is somewhere you can buy them there was somebody else on saying from West Cork saying hi Patricia you can get those flannelette sheets I know Mrs. Dan's, is it, in Domamwe, uh, have them if anybody wants to buy them and they certainly do keep you nice and warm. And Colette in Kilworth says, I put plain cream, flannel brushed cotton on my pillowcases and sheets under the duvet in the winter because I hate the cold cotton feel in the wintertime and then I change it out in the spring, summertime. I do the same on my son's bed. I have a blue plain brushed flannel pillow covers and cream 
duvet set that all sounds nice Michael Guinies also do that brushed cotton and it feels like fleece on the mattress yeah, so I wonder will, will we start going back to them and when I said I remembered them in that they had a pink and a blue or a red and a blue stripe going down through them Heidi says yes your memory is right they were called candy striped flannelette sheets Heidi says she also remembers them as a kid and she says yes you can still buy them maybe not the candy striped ones but you certainly can buy the flannelette sheets okay thank you lots of people uh, commenting on that okay what else is coming into us by uh, text and by phone hi Patricia just to say what were the government thinking about giving money to farmers to remove ditches when, where wildlife were inhabitants and where they were breeding and now they want to put them back? It came to mind the last few days when I looked out my window to see the poor helpless animals huddled together with no place to shelter. Where were all the nature lovers and the environmentalists for that matter? They all stood by and let it happen and farmers grabbed in another wee bit of land for what I ask. It's a small plot will hold us it's a small plot will hold us all in the end well you're right you're right on that one 0818103103 Hi Patricia I'm so sick of listening to Eamon Rhyme he hasn't a clue what it's like to live in the real world cycle lanes we haven't even got decent roads and we certainly don't have a bus route let alone telling us to go out and cycle on our bikes the government is a disgrace they would want to get a little bit of a reality check and then someone else is saying can coal be burnt next month as I have an open fire yeah oh, absolutely I mean what they the environmentalists and the Green Party and for climate change they're asking everybody to cut down on their coal use. You'll find the price of coal has got very expensive if you haven't purchased it lately and is it from September or October you'll only be able to buy smokeless coal but yes you certainly will be you can still buy it it's not that you're not going to be allowed uh, to uh, buy it. Hi Patricia I hope the TDs take their own advice and turn off all the heat in the doll there's enough hot air circulating there. <laughs> okay um Coleman then reacting to what was that lady's name who contacted us can't remember her name now who was um, well, there she is Joan and from Oi who's trying to send Sterling likes to send char- Sterling checks at Christmas to loved ones in England and she's been using this money laundering form that she had to get from the Gardaí but she's now been advised to get uh, an international card and she doesn't know what that is Coleman says isn't it hard to believe that it's hard to send Sterling to the UK when a fifth of this country i.e. Northern Ireland that's where the currency is there is actually Sterling on this island of uh, Ar- Ireland yeah but with money laundering trying to get any kind of money into different currency for the last number of years has been uh, hard. And hi Patricia totally agree with turning off the street lights from 12 midnight but I don't agree with shops closing down Uh, but definitely there shouldn't be any Christmas lights this year. It's unfair to restrict uh, businesses. They have been in dire straits for so long they need our business so anything we can do to help particularly shops and and I'm a great advocate of the local independent stores uh, to try to help them as much as you can. And just one final one in this bunch. Patricia, how are you doing? The cost of electricity is crazy. I have to wonder where's the justification for the increases by energy companies and then a couple of months later they're 
putting on another increase. I also wonder why we are paying an energy regulator if, if all they can do is approve the energy price hikes. It's similar to bank regulation in the past, I wonder. Or is it similar, I wonder. The war cannot be blamed for everything. There's major price gouging going on in the energy market and indeed in all sectors. Are we going to see people going hungry or dying this in the cold this winter? The government needs to get on top of it. They need to get on top of it fast, says um, Michael. And that's why we're all waiting to see what is going to happen in the budget at the end of the month. You can text or WhatsApp, particularly a gardening question for Peter, please. 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. Anna and Cara are holding a meeting in the Clayton Hotel in the Silver Springs tonight at 7.15. All bereaved parents in the Cork area are very welcome to attend, regardless of the age uh, that their child died or the circumstances of their death. More information on the support offered by Anna and you can call 085-288-8888. The monthly mass in honour of St. Pio, that goes ahead in St. Joseph's Church in Lismire. That's tonight at 8. All are welcome. The Jimmy Horgan Memorial Golf Classic will take place tomorrow Thursday in Douglas Golf Course. Now they're looking for teams of four, €600 Euro, with proceeds in aid of the Mercy Hospital Foundation. The event is to express gratitude to the staff at the Mercy University Hospital. But Croom Flower and Garden Club, they will hold a floral demonstration by Margaret O'Hearn. It's entitled Autumn, A Second Spring. It's on tomorrow night at 8 in Coolcar House in McCroom. New members and visitors are most welcome to attend. And Carrigaline Alzheimer Cafe will be held on the second Thursday of every month, so that's tomorrow, and is open to people living with dementia, their family, carers or anyone involved in caring for somebody with dementia. The first cafe will be held tomorrow in Carrigaline Family Support Centre, 3 to 5 in the afternoon. The guest speaker, Dr Bart Daly, consultant geriatrician at CUH, speaking on living with dementia. More details from Linda 87 Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818-103-103. Now, as part of the BBC2 programme, Saving Lives at Sea, an upcoming episode will feature a call-out by volunteers at the Kinsale RNLI. One of the crew members on that call-out was Felix Milner, who joins me this afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Felix. Hi there, how are you getting on? I'm very well and you're very welcome to the programme. Now I suppose before we talk about what actually happened on that call out, can you just explain to people who perhaps haven't seen this programme how the programme is recorded? It's it's footage from your helmet cameras, isn't it, is used? Yeah, so we all bring out a helmet camera whenever we're going out on a rescue and we record the incidents just for safekeeping and all that kind of stuff and then what they do is they review all the footage from all the different shouts or fallouts and based on that, the decision's made, hey, we might do a follow-up at Station X, Station Y, and this time round, Kinsale's chosen to cover this shout, or sorry, this call-out. And then is there follow-up, do they come and interview as well as part of it, or is it just the footage is used? Yeah, so they come down to the station and they'll interview the crews that were involved and then take some extra shots of the town, do all that kind of stuff to uh, make it a good production. So, and when did all that filming take place? Oh God, off the top of my head, probably... A few months ago. Oh, is it okay? And was, is it very exciting to be selected to be part of this programme? 
yeah, there's a great buzz around the station. I mean, everyone's excited to get Kinsale back up on the air, and it's really good for raising awareness of what we do, and it's, I think, nice for the supporters of the RNLI to get a hands-on first view of what actually happens when the pages go off. Yeah, 100%. And, of course, this programme, it features RNLI across the Ireland, England, Scotland and Wales, isn't it? Yeah, so Ireland and the entire UK. The entire UK. are eligible. Okay, and the the call out was a rescue for a solo yachtsman who I have to say I was reading up about this gentleman yesterday. He was embarking on an incredible journey, wasn't he? Yeah, I think the first thing that has to be said is credit to Pete and his seamanship. Didn't have it easy. Fifty two days alone at sea, over six and a half thousand kilometers to travel. And it wasn't all plain sailing. I mean he had his engine break down, there's about a ten day period where there's no wind so he couldn't sail. And then he had damage to his sails. And it's just a credit to him that he kept his head clear and made it as far as he did. And the plan was he had left uh, one of the Caribbean islands and he was en route to the UK. Yeah, that was the plan. Kind of passing by Ireland on the way just to stay close to some land. And everything was going fine until the engine decided to... Yeah, until the <laughs> engine packed in. And then uh, from there on, there was a bit of a, a bit of a lull in the wind, so there's no sailing. And then, of course, with his sails being damaged, it really hampered his progress. So how how did you guys at the Kinsale Iron Ally, how did you become aware that he was in trouble? So the skipper was in contact with the Coast Guard in Ireland and kind of let them know what was going on. And from there then the Coast Guard rang our deputy launching authority who had a chat with the Coast Guard and ourselves and it was decided we'd monitor his progress and then once he passed the old head of Kinsale it was decided, okay, let's go out and just uh, help him over this final hurdle and get him into safe port. Was he exhausted when, when you got to finally get on board? Yeah, in fairness to him, he was very fit and able, but after 52 days of sailing on your own, he was very much glad for the extra help, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, it's just terrific. And I, I'm assuming uh, Pete gets interviewed as well, does he, for uh, as kind of a follow-up? Yeah, so he was interviewed as well as part of the process. So you arrived out and you actually got on board the yacht, wasn't it? Yeah, that was my role for the whole thing. And then what, you tugged it back in, it got the... Yeah, so we got on, we had a chat with Pete to see kind of what he was thinking, how he was feeling, and we kind of discussed amongst us and the crew what we thought the best action was. And we decided, look, we'll take the sails down, we'll establish a tow, so we'll take him under our own power, and we'll bring him into Kintel Port and get him nice and safe and tucked up there. And he certainly was was a relieved man. Uh, now, I'm, I'm un- unsure here. I have a press release saying that this particular call-out is going to feature in tomorrow night's programme. But then yep. I'm, I'm hearing the different regions show different episodes, is it? Is it tomorrow so, night? From my understanding, it's on BBC Two, the standard BBC Two, at 8pm tomorrow night. Okay. I think in certain regions like BBC Two, Northern Ireland or BBC Two Wales, it might be different. But okay. I know for a fact it's going ahead on BBC Two, just the stock one. And should also be available on iPlayer, but I'm not 100% sure okay. on that one. Okay, but tomorrow night, 8 o'clock, keep a lookout uh, for it. Will you collectively watch it as a group, Felix, or have you any plans? Uh, we're all a bit spread out for the next few days. Just oh, no. Different things, so uh, we'll definitely record it and maybe watch it together at some point. But I think for the first viewing, we're going to do our own thing. Okay. How long have you been with the RNLI? Coming up on about six years now. What prompted you to volunteer? Well, I used to work in the outdoor education sector when I was a kid, or well, I was a teenager, I suppose. And then I moved to Kinsale and I wanted to get involved with something. And someone suggested to me, hey, actually, it was Jonathan himself, the helm on the shout. I was like, hey, you should think about the RNLI. So I just 
showed up one day with a kill lads. Any chance uh, you're look, looking for volunteers and can play playing sailing since? And you and and have you been out on many call outs? Yeah, I definitely could you now. Yeah, and let's remind people how you are the Iron Line. All the lifeboats are so reliant on donations and fundraisers to keep your work going. Absolutely, it's a completely charity um, organisation. There's no funding from the government. It's very much based on the kindness of the communities that the Iron Line helps, and uh, it's really fantastic to see it's still going now, just on the backs of the generosity of everyone in Ireland and the UK. And by the way, did you get to meet Pete when they did? Did he come back to Kinsale when the the BBC came back to do the follow up filming? I'm not sure. I think he was staying with family. He actually, funnily enough, had family in West Cork who came down and met us on the pier when we brought him in. So that was quite nice. Uh, I think he was staying with them. I didn't get a chance to catch up with him, but I think he was around Kinsale for a while then. And he turned out to be a bit of a famous, well, he, he's oh, a bit of a famous person in that he was a former stage manager for U2, Nirvana, UB40 and the Rolling Stones. Bit of a rocker, his RP. Yeah, he definitely <laughs> uh, had music industry experience with some big names. Of course, he wouldn't that have known any of that. You were just rescuing him and that's all you did. Listen, congratulations. Uh, fantastic that you're going to feature in the Saving Lives at Sea programme because it is a wonderful programme. But thank you, Felix, for taking time out to, uh, to talk to us today. Well, thanks for having us. Thanks. Good, good afternoon to you. Bye-bye. Uh, Felix Milner there, one of the Kinsale RNLI uh, volunteers. And thank you to Johnny in Kinsale who sent me on just a little video uh, clip for me to watch when the fact we're talking with Kinsale RNLI. And it's it's a picture of the RNLI going out, showing the hostile and the hazardous environments in which people like Felix and indeed all the other crew members and all the other volunteers of all the other RNLIs and we're so blessed here in Cork to have so many fantastic RNLI volunteers. And these people volunteer uh, every day 24-7, 300 a year and as Johnny in his text says they go out to re- rescue and bring home our loved ones home safe. Not all heroes wear capes. Uh, some wear a dry suit and a life jacket. They do indeed. Well put Johnny and thank you for sending that video on to me. Saving Lives at Sea BBC tomorrow night at 8 if you want to take a look at how that rescue went. 0818 103 103 and I want to go back to something that we did today and we had a lot of commentary in on this. This was to do with the public services card and the renewal of the public services card and people were having problems getting their public services card renewed and you can renew it online but people were having problems trying to upload photographs that became a bit of an issue for people and then we had a number of people saying that they went into their local um, social protection office and the people and they were fantastic sorted out their public services card but we also had a couple of people who contacted us to say that they had rang their local Department of Social Welfare office and they were able to get their public services card sorted out and out of date one they were able to do it over the phone. Well that has led to Paul from Fairhill emailing the programme today to say Patricia after listening to your programme yesterday about renewing the public services card over the phone I decided I would ring Hanover Street branch of the Department of Social Protection as my card is out of date finally got to speak to somebody but I did have about a 45 minute wait. When I did get to speak to somebody it turns out the person wasn't in Hanover Street but was in some call centre up the country somewhere. 
I inquired about renewing my card over the phone and was advised that I need to attend in person in the George's Key office. I asked this person, does the Department of Social Protection renew public services cards over the phone or not? And he seemed unsure. And now I will have to go in in person to renew it as that does not help me why I am a full time carer. So either you've been given the wrong information about over the phone renewals or I was dealing with somebody who doesn't know what he is doing. I'm lacking faith in the Department of Social Protection and I'm lacking faith in the system. Now, so we double checked with the people who did manage to either call into the public services card and had their card updated for another couple of years are the ones who did it over the phone. And it seems to be it's at the discretion of the staff whether to extend the card and then renew it. And I, from what I can gather, anyone who either did it over the phone or got an extension on the card without having to get photographs and without having to get all go through all the details again, it's an extension on a card that a lot of people are getting. But it, from what we can gather, it's at the discretion of the person in the office. And I think what happened with Paul was, unfortunately, he got through to a call centre, whereas any of the people who did manage to get the a renewal done over the phone all got through to a local Department of Social Protection, many of them in the county towns. And that's not not to say that Hanover Street are not doing it as well. But obviously the city one, obviously a lot busier, probably take a lot more phone calls than some of the ones in the, in the county towns. So it's a little bit unfortunate for Paul. He has to go in in person. And somebody else then was asking about who's entitled it, how do you get a public services card? You're going to have to go and make an appointment. You have to call in in person, certainly to get your first public services card. When they were first introduced and off the top of my head, I can't remember when they were first introduced, but it's certainly a number of years ago. But when they were first introduced, the plan was that everyone was going to get called. One by one, you would get called into your local Department of Social Protection and you'd sit down in front of the person and they'd take your picture and you'd answer all of the questions and you'd prove who you were and then this card would be sent out and they all have your photographs uh, uh, your photograph is on it. Your Is your PPS number is probably on it as well. But obviously it's also then becomes the, for, for people who are entitled to free travel it becomes your free travel pass as well because it's written on it FT, free travel and whether you're entitled to a spouse, a companion or a partner is, is put on that card as well. But initially the plan was that everyone would be called for the public services card. Now I don't know whether it was because of covert or not but they certainly have stopped I haven't heard of anyone being actually called in to get a public services card for the first time but yesterday because we were getting so many calls in I was looking online yesterday and you can make an appointment to get a public services card don't know how long you're going to be waiting to get an appointment but you can contact your local Department of Social Protection. There is only the one in the city, which is the one on George's Quay. I think there's one in Carrigaline as well. And then, you know, the likes of the county towns. There's an office in Mallow. There's an office in Fomoy. I'm sure I saw an office in, in Bantry. They're dotted all over the county towns. They'll have one Department of Social Protection office in, in most of the county towns. And it's in there you go. And as one of our listeners pointed out, because they were in Tralee during the summer and they have a holiday home in Tralee and they thought that they could pop into the holiday home in Tralee they could go into the office in Tralee but because it wasn't their main residence they weren't allowed to get their public services card there they had to go back to their hometown in order to get it so wherever you live your nearest department of social protection but if you go online and just google public services card 
all of the information is on it, including all of the different offices that issue an initial public services card and also they're the ones that do the renewal. 0818 103 103. Bernie's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 086 to 103 103. And we're looking for your gardening questions for Peter Dowdle, please. That's coming up next. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. And I tell you, gardeners are hardy souls. We've lots of questions I didn't think we would on a day like today. Peter Dowdle, the IrishGardener.com uh, joins me. Good afternoon to you, Peter. I was I was uh, out in it earlier, Trish, soaked to the skin, and I was wondering what well, I was actually enjoying it, which probably makes me sound a bit strange. But <laughs> the other half of me was going, "What am I at? What am I doing?" But anyway, yeah, there you go. The only thing is, I mean, I know there's been a lot of rain the last few days. The gardens really need it, don't they? They do. I mean, they've had a dry a dry few months, and so they will benefit from the rain certainly, and the soil will. And we won't we won't certainly won't grumble about it when you see like countries still across Europe waiting for it or looking for it, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, if we can be fussy, it's too heavy and it's too much at one time. But look, we, we have to take what we can get. That's, that's that's the way it goes. Yeah, if somebody could turn it off now for a little while, please, it would be great. OK, let's get straight <laughs> into questions. Um, I set a Grislinia hedge, says this listener, about a year ago, but a few of them died this summer. Where did I go wrong? I put chicken feed and compost when I was planting them. I'd say it's quite simple, uh, quite simply just lack of water. I'd say you didn't go wrong as such. It's just lack of water. So they don't say whether she planted uh, the, the hedge bare root or potted, but either one will need plenty of water for the first 12 months. So and for the first growing season, which was this summer, if they were bare root, even more so. But even the potted ones would need it. So um, th- th- I would be 99 percent sure that's what happened. Yeah, And it was only some of them. So you just fill in the gaps, is it? That's it. I mean, come this winter now, I mean, from now, any time from now on, really, uh, you can replace, just fill in the gaps. Exactly. I wouldn't think there's any disease or anything causing it. I'd say it's just drought, so you can just replace them. And one of those annual questions, what's the best way to store apples? Uh, well, to store apples, the, the important thing is that they're cool and that they're dry, but that they're not touching each other. Uh, and we all, we've all we all seen the fruit bowl where one apple goes rotten and within two or three days, every bit of fruit is rotten. If they're touching each other, you see that the spores will travel between the fruits. So um, in traditional old apple storage houses, there were, there were kind of little slots and, and grooves for the apples to sit in. So you kind of want to do something similar. Obviously, not too many of us have old apple storage houses in our back garden. So you're, you're, if you wrap them in newspaper or something like that, so that just to make sure the fruit isn't touching uh, and keep them somewhere cool uh, and dry. The cooler, the better and dry. And if I remember rightly, because I say it comes up every year, didn't somebody a number of years ago who lived by the sea now and had access to sand used to put them in sand? You're spot on. Yeah, I remember now that you say it, I remember yeah. that I forgot it, I think. So I suspect a bucket of sand again so that the apples aren't touching each other. Yeah. Uh, I think that if the, from memory, yeah, that, that worked a treat. And it would keep them dark as well and cool if you had them out in, in, yeah, in a shade of summer. Yeah. Cool, yeah. yeah, OK, Eleanor in Mallow is planning a new flower bed in her front garden and she's putting all the planning in place. The garden faces north. She wants it to be bee friendly. What plants would Peter recommend? Also, she has some lime that she got from a friendly farmer. Can she dig that into the ground now or would it do more harm than good? She also would like to plant bulbs and I'm wondering are any bulbs that are particularly bee friendly there are in terms of bulbs there are so you're looking at things like crocus uh, muscari which are the grape hyacinths um winter aconites are another good one anemones are a good one 
Um, but not all bulbs are good. Uh, like our daffodils and just tulips that we all love are, are may as well be artificial to the bees, unfortunately, because they're they're, they're no they're no good to them. Um, it's not to say we shouldn't plant them because I, I still love them, but in terms of which are the best for the bees, I would zone in on two in particular: crocus and boscari uh, are two very very good ones. Um, as regards the rest of that question, it's probably a bit too general to answer it with specifics. Like I could throw out plant names of of plants that will do north facing, that'll be good for bees, but. It depends on loads of different aspects, loads of different things like how, how high does she want shrubs, does she want perennials or uh, and what do you, what, you know, there's a lot more information you need before you could answer that question with any degree of accuracy. Um, as well as that, it ties in then with the, the question of the lime from the farmer. So you could look at, you know, planting things like leucothos, well, not so much leucothos rather, but you could look at planting things maybe like camellias and azaleas, which will do north facing but they wouldn't want lime. But then you might want to plant hydrangeas, pink hydrangeas, which would want lime. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's unfortunately not just a catch-all answer that I can give to say, mm. yes, put on the lime or not. There's a bit more information. Um, I would say the best thing to do is call to your local garden centre with a few photographs of the area, explain what you're looking for uh, and, and get advice that way it would probably be the best thing to do. But it's fantastic to see people, you know, thinking ahead and wanting to do something that's going to be bee friendly because Trisha and Kilavullen has also been on to us and she's planning to plant up a bee garden next spring and she's wondering what should she be doing in over the autumn and winter to prepare the ground because she said the section at the moment that she's deciding that she's going to put in this bee garden are for the bees. She said it's just it's just run with tall weeds. So she's wondering how do you, how does she prepare for it? Well, you know what? It depends what she wants to do with it. So when you say a bee garden, you could mean just like rewilding, which is one way of, of helping bees and, and local pollinators, just letting it go, letting it go wild as it sounds, rewilding it. So then your your weeds and that, we stop looking at them as weeds and we start looking at them as, as beneficial plants to the pollinators. So you can just do that and let it go. Your second option is to remove the existing vegetation, so all the weed growth and put down some wildflower seeds either during September uh, or in, I would probably better off maybe leave it till March and put down wildflower seeds in March, right? Um, and then you're going to get all these lovely cornfield annuals and other uh, uh, native Irish wildflowers, which will give you your lovely display. Your third option then is that you, you do, you remove the, the weed growth that's there now, uh, but instead of putting seed down, you, you plant it with bee-friendly gar- bee-friendly plants to create that bee garden. So what that does is you're, you're getting that uh, established garden look much, much quicker because you're planting actual plants as opposed to seeds. So you're putting in little perennial plants. And as regards which ones are good for bees, again, going back to the last question, there's more information will be needed in ter- terms of in this call the aspect the soil type etc 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 but like you're looking at any of these th- and this is i suppose a general answer to both of those questions uh when you're planting plants for bees you're looking for very simple flowers that's why wildflowers are so good what i mean by simple flowers trish are these um single blooms where there's just one layer of petals and the stamens and the pollen and nectar are easily available to the bees so if you can imagine if I if I say like a pom pom dahlia or a very double intricate rose or dahlia, you know what I mean. Yeah. When you have all those petals, 
they're no good or they're difficult for bees to feed from. Whereas if you can imagine uh, like a cornflower or if you know the Rudbeckia or Echinacea, which are just, or even a single rose where the stamens are very obvious, like the wild hedgerow roses, they're perfect for pollinators. So a good rule of thumb is the more simple the flower, the better. And one thing to remember when you're planting plants in the, for, for, for bees, you want to avoid intensively hybridized plants and in particular F1 hybrids. So F1 hybrids are, are, are plants that have been specifically bred for a particular reason. It might be flower color. It might be length of stem or length of, of flowering period or something like that. Or they're also grown a lot in the, the world of vegetables. It might be for a particular size, peas or particular color or best flavor. But F1 hybrids are useless to bees and pollinators. So they should be avoided if you're planting a plant or a, a garden for bees. So that's kind of some general tips yep, and advice without advice. getting into specific, Trish. Good advice. Harold's in the city wants to know, can he grow figs in Ireland? Uh, do you need a greenhouse for growing them? The reason he's asking is a friend in France has offered him some cuttings, but he also wants to know, would you need a licence to import the cuttings? You do. I'm going to say no, you don't need license to import the cuttings. You would if it was a plant, actually, not a license, because uh, without going too far into it, plants, plants travel the EU uh, very easy because they have what's called a plant passport, which is just a tracking number for plants so that if there is a disease, it can all be tracked back as to where it came from originally. Um, and you're not, to the best of my knowledge, you're not allowed to bring plants with soil into Ireland uh, as an individual unless it has that plant passport number. But if it's just cutting material, you should be safe enough. To the best of my knowledge, uh, you'd be absolutely fine just taking cuttings in. Um, and yeah, figs will grow very, very easily in Ireland. You absolutely easy. Just give them a good south or southwest facing wall uh, and they'll fruit away. And um, uh, they'll, they'll, you won't need a glass house or anything. And in fact, I was in Italy during the summer and I had a fig uh, from a tree over there and it didn't taste half as good as the figs that grow in Ireland. So get away, go. get away. I, I remember yeah, a yeah. restaurant we used to eat in in Ibiza. It was actually friends of ours had the restaurant and they had this magnificent fig tree out on the, the sun deck where we, where we used to eat. And oh my goodness, just pulling the ripe figs uh, and, and gorgeous eating Gorgeous fruit, oh, isn't it? Magnificent. It's I didn't realise that they grow so easily here. So off you go, Harold, and yeah. good luck with growing your figs. And he also wants to know, should he cut back lavender plants now and how do you do it? Okay, well, yes is the answer to that. But lavender is a question that never, ever, ever cut it back hard because it won't respond well. In fact, it'll probably just die on you. Um, so the, the lavender can get woody and leggy in our climate because our climate is so good uh, for in terms of plant growth. It's it's damp, as we can, we know right now. You can probably hear the rain in the background where I am. Um, so it's damp. The soil is good and rich. We're probably out there feeding it. And the, the, the lavender just loves it. And it keeps flowering and growing because in its native habitat, it's just growing in grit and very poor soil. Um, so to prevent that happening cut it back regularly so what I mean by regularly is about two or three times a year you know the textbook will say like this time of the year after flowering but I, I think lavender kind of never stops flowering in Ireland so do cut it back now and what you want to do is go beneath the flower stem so cut off all of the flower stem and go into the foliage just a small bit a small few inches into the foliage making sure that you're leaving a good bit of foliage behind you because if you take off too much as I say, the plant will just, it, it won't respond well and it could die. Mary wants to know, her rhubarb is very strong at the moment. Do we pull it or leave it in the ground to die back? You pull it if, if pull it and use it, why not? If, if it looks fine, I would still use it. Yeah, absolutely, no problem. Mary in Mallow wants to know, is it possible to grow onions over the winter in a greenhouse? 
Uh, it is. It is. But I would say, the, sorry, I'm just thinking out loud now. I think you'd probably be better off doing it outdoors during the winter, just sowing them early. So you'd have them out. It might get too dry, you see, in, indoors during the winter. So unless you keep them very moist, um, I'd be more inclined to, to grow them outdoors. Now, the thing, by if you sow them, let's say the onion sets in kind of November, December of this year, it just means you'll be harvesting them that bit earlier next year. So you you could you could um, sow some in November, December, then sow some more in January, February, and even into early March, which means you'll have a good continuity at harvest time as well. You'd have a long, long period of them coming instead of them all coming at once. But I suppose in, in, in answer to the question, direct answer, yes, you could grow them indoors during the winter, but you would need to be very careful of, of making sure they're well watered. And Maureen in the city has a lot of dahlias. How can she keep them over the winter for next year? Mm, well, OK, I'm going to give you the textbook answer first and then I'm going to tell you what I do. Um, so the, te- the textbook answer is when all foliage and the dahlias has died back and the flowers are gone and they're a herbaceous plant, which means they'll die back for the winter. So come the first frost, and I, I hate to be even talking about that already, but come the first frost, uh, the, the, the dahlia will kind of turn to mush above the ground. So at that point, cut it back to ground level, take out the tuber, same as we would with daffodils or tulips or anything like that, just wrap it in a bit of straw or, or paper bags or, or newspaper, keep it somewhere cool and dry and plant it out again, I would say, next kind of February, March time. Um, that's what you need to do with dahlias. And what sure does our Peter do? Year year. What Peter does is Peter is a bit <laughs> too lazy for all that. Life, life is too short for all that. <laughs> so Peter leaves his dahlias in the ground. Uh, now, you know, depending on the variety, some will be more problematic than others in them coming back. But most of them will come back year after year if I leave them in the ground. The one thing they don't like in our climate, and today is an ironic day to be talking about it, is the amount of rain that we get. The amount of moisture can encourage or can cause the tubers to rot uh, from too much moisture. So that's why you should take them out that more so than the cold. Uh, but but you can be a lazy gardener like me and hope for the best. OK, and a final one. Hal in Canturk. Plastic tunnel wants to wash the plastic. What's a safe detergent to use inside of the tunnel? There are brand names off the top of my head I can't think of, but I know there are. If you Google a quick, um, uh, a quick Google search for organic disinfectants, organic garden disinfectants, there are some out there. I think Growing Success is one label that does one. Um, but I know there are there are several out there on the market, organic uh, disinfectants that you could use to clean that. Okay. OK, listen, have a great week and stay dry as best you can. I'll do my best. I'll do my best. Thanks, <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us. Bye bye. That is uh, Peter Dowdle, the IrishGardener.com, uh, joining us and he will be back with us again next week. I just spotted uh, Jonah from I was on to say on the Christmas uh, lights when people are saying we will have to turn off the Christmas lights this year. She says we're going to need them more than ever this year. People are too down. Let me sure we have the Christmas lights on this year. OK, that's where I leave you for today. My thanks to Bernie Murphy, who produced. Uh, Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. Talk to you tomorrow at 10 on Thursday. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.